This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with John Miller. John is the CEO and co-founder at Engageo. He was also a co-founder and the vice president of marketing at Marketo. John is one of the pioneers of both marketing automation and account-based marketing. On this interview, he talks about what he finds meaningful about marketing and why he decided to build a career in the space, as well as reinventing marketing and how he has managed to create new categories. It's an awesome episode. A big thank you to John for coming on the show. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. We are at Serious Decisions on the main floor, as we have with a couple of these episodes, in our little fish booth. And I'm sitting to my left is Lauren Vaccarello. Hello. We have switched seats. It is amazing to be live recording, recording live at Serious Decisions. Well, that's the seat that everyone walks by and waves. Um, it, it is true. Hopefully, you guys will not be able to tell when I get distracted waving at the thousands of incredible marketers that are at Serious Decisions today. And to my right is... Former podcast guest, John Miller, for the second time. What's going on? Hey, how's good to be here? You know, um, we were talking before this episode about how many of the serious decisions that both of you combined have been to. And it's the numbers, numbers probably a lot. And we wanted to just do an episode kind of like looking back at, you know, the past number of years. You know, you founded Marketo. A long time ago now, you know, the first one of these that you went to was when you were still Marketo and now, you know, been to a few at Engageo. Um, but we wanted to talk about like reinventing marketing. And this is something that you've talked about in the past. And then we're also going to touch on what meaningful marketing is. So can you kind of share first off, like, what do you find meaningful marketing? Yeah, I mean, this is a topic I've been thinking a lot about. I, I just I, I think about when you go to a cocktail party. And you tell people, like, what do you do? And like, I'm in marketing, you know, (laughs) I just I think more often than not, when you say that you get a negative reaction from people, Mm -hmm. you know, and they look at you and they're like, oh, so you send spam, you know, like (laughs) whatever. And like, that just kills me that the career that I've sort of given my love and passion to for so many years is one that most people out there have a negative connotation to. You know, there's this Harris uh, poll they do every year about trust in different professions. Changes up and down a little bit each year, but always, you know, nurses are really, really high. Yeah. Military's always high. pretty well. Actually, mm-hmm. police does better than I would think, considering how a lot of people think about, you know, police these days. They don't have marketing as a profession, but they do have advertising, mm-hmm. which is way down at the bottom. And in fact, one of the only professions that come in lower than that is Congress. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you know, it just, it kills me that this is, how people think about this profession. I um, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day uh, who's a lawyer and ended up saying something along the lines of, I mean, you work in marketing, you just make stuff up for a living. And I went, awful. 
oh, hurtful, <laughs> hurtful. Yeah. Not true. He's also, like, I was half kidding. And I was like, only, only half kidding, though. Also, I mean, that's that's one of those things where like, that's a positive. Yeah, making stuff up, that's great. Like, you know who else made stuff up? Picasso. You know, like... Yeah, Disney. I mean, yeah. Um, well, it depends, right, it always in how you position it. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. that's kind of the way you're getting at, right? Is this kind of like glass half full, glass half empty sort of a look at marketing? Right, well, I mean, I, I think about it kind of then from an economic perspective, right? I mean, just literally, like, if somebody buys something that they give you money for it, right? They, they believe that the economic value they're going to get or the utility they're going to get for the thing they're buying is worth more than the money they're giving up. Mm-hmm. And so in that transaction, value is being created. The world is actually being made better, right, because of this transaction. And all marketing is is trying to facilitate these value-creating transactions. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. So, yes. so why can't the rest of the world kind of understand that? So I've been sort of on this mission to kind of figure out how can we make marketing more meaningful? What I've realized is there's two sides to the equation. The first is it's got to be meaningful to the end customer. It can't be spammy. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't be irrelevant to them. Uh, it's got to actually somehow make their life better because of that interaction. That's why content marketing has been so amazing. Totally, yeah. Right? Because content marketing delivers value. It educates yes. or at least it entertains. That, that's useful. It's why personalization is so important. Right, because it's way easier to be relevant and add value when you're actually kind of personalized. Completely. You know, to the person. And if I think about what is going to make a company a long-standing company, and I mean, you started Marketo in 2005, Engageo in 2015, and building these long-standing companies, it is how do you drive value for the customer? How are you thinking, what can I do to actually better their lives, their businesses, and not breaking that idea apart from, well, this is what the product does, but marketing does this other thing. It's no, marketing the product, your business should be ultimately driving value for the long-term success of your customers. Yeah, which is kind of back to the point about kind of uh, the transfer of utility. Absolutely. You know, and that kind of thing. I mean, my, my career has been all about trying to start companies that can help marketing be more relevant and more personalized. And so I think that kind of customer meaning to the customer is, is important. But then I realized there's this other side, you know, meaningful marketing also, you know, which is the meaning it gives to the marketer themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of story from, from my own career. Early on in the days at Marketo, they started doing, you know, sales club, mm-hmm. probably in year two or three. And all the top salespeople get to go to this thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I remember from my job before at, at Epiphany as a marketer, I'd kind of like look from the sidelines. Totally. And say oh, like, yeah. oh, why are those people getting to go to club? You know? We did all this work, too. Exactly. Exactly. And then there was one year, the first year when we were doing club, they basically, you know, the sales team kind of got together and said, hey, you know what? We know that we couldn't have achieved the results we achieved without the support from marketing. Right. We want to bring somebody from marketing to club. You know, and it turns out we actually brought somebody from my team, which is totally cool. But they actually bought me a new TV to kind of make up for it also. So, <laughs> you know, that was, you know it, it helped me realize that that work I did as a marketer had meaning because it made an impact on the company and made an impact on sales. So how do you measure that? I mean, like, you know, for your employees, I mean, I, and obviously, you know, you're the CEO now, but you run a team of marketers as well, you know, inside the organization, you work with marketers every day. How do you think we can provide more meaning and give them, you know, things that 
allow you know positive reinforcement of, of cool stuff that you get rewarded for taking experiments um, and running with those. You get rewarded for for that type of success because I think that that's one of the hard things. It's like it's pretty freaking binary if a salesperson hits their number or not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's pretty easy to just at the end of that, and that's why you know they like it. Marketing is a little little bit more nebulous. How do you look at uh, you know incentivizing that good behavior? Yeah, I mean, I think incentivizing good behavior marketing is not necessarily the same as this kind of meaning uh, piece, but at least for a B2B company, that's this audience here, right? It it seems like it almost always comes from making a positive impact on the sales team. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where you know it when it happens, right? Because the sales team, like, they're pretty good about it being appreciative when they actually, like, see value. Appreciate things. You know, value being delivered. It, it's it's right at the core, though, of like the challenge with sales and marketing not always getting along. I will say one of the things that when I was running um, some of the marketing teams at, at Box, when I knew we finally crossed the chasm between the relationship between sales and marketing was I had someone on my team invited to club. And just like you, where I went, oh, my gosh, someone on someone from marketing got invited to club. Does anyone else understand what a big deal this is yeah. that you have officially <laughs> recognized us and you get to, you know, nominate three people outside of the sales organization. And it tends to be an essay or someone who helps you close all these deals. You just saw marketing as having that that degree of value, which all of the marketers know. But we just never sort of get recognized for yeah. it. And it's funny that you said that. And it was the my moment of I've officially done this job well. Yeah. And, and I mean, marketers, we you know, we work really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say marketers work at least as hard, if not harder than salespeople. Mm-hmm. Don't get the glory. Don't get the big box. Yep. I don't know why we chose it then. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but it's those moments of meaning that I think is actually what, you know, marketers aren't coin operated. Most marketers aren't in it because of the high salary. They're in it because they want to have impacts like that. Absolutely. So, so what I mean, if you have some examples from your career, from the teams that you built or things like that, where you kind of saw a marketer on your team feel like they really are getting meaning from their job? Um, I'll give you a, a couple stories. So Charm Bianchini is the one who runs a global demand generation for Engageo now. Um, and we hired her at Marketo to lead the enterprise initiative, enterprise marketing. And if you're a company like Marketo was, which is mostly SMB, you know, and all of a sudden you're coming along and trying to be an enterprise company. It's kind of a hard thing to accomplish. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a big ship to turn. She came in and decided that kind of her first initiative was going to be an enterprise executive track at the Marketo Summit. Mm-hmm. And put together this cross-functional program to kind of make it happen. You know, which involved obviously a separate track, separate content, some VIP experiences. Uh, and a really, you know, aligned effort with sales to get those top executives from from big companies to come to this event that historically had been seen as a practitioner conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she worked really hard with alignment and it was pulled it off. And it was a really meaningful thing in terms of helping to bring Marketo to that next level. And the sales team, you could tell they appreciated it. They told her. They talked about it, mm-hmm. you know, and you could just see that she, that made her year. You know, one of the things, um, I don't think I've ever told you, sorry, Ooh. Lauren, but so, uh, one of my customers, so I'm a lifelong Oakland Raiders fan and one of my customers I was working 
really hard to get the Raiders as a customer when I was selling okay. selling media. It's like one of those things. Like, what do they need, right? Like, what is that? Whatever. And so they had this really cool school day where it was like 400 students from like East Palo Alto were like coming to a Raiders game. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were like doing a bunch of STEM stuff. And we created like a custom issue of STEM jobs. We interviewed multiple players. Uh, one of the cheerleaders is like a biochemist or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then two of the athletes were like STEM majors. Interviewed them. We did this whole like custom thing. And it's kind of like football plus science is this really cool thing. Cool. And um, I gave it to their marketing team. And like, or, and it wasn't technically their marketing team is a sports franchise, so it's different. But it was the idea that like the team that worked on that, it was something like so new and novel and something that they could, you know, give to all of these students. And if you felt kind of the impact stuff and I was like me as a marketer was like, this was awesome. Like this was something that like I felt really good that we could create with them mm -hmm. because it was cool to me because I was a Raiders fan, but also really cool to see like these kids realizing that like, you know, the cheerleader that they were watching at the game was a freaking biochemist, like stuff. And you just kind of get into the meaning, you know, point. I think that this rise of like social impact and all this sort of stuff, there's so many ways to make like one plus one equals three, or it's like so many different moving parts there. I think stuff like that is like, we're at the very, very, very tip of personalization and how we can create meaningful experiences, content, and all sorts of stuff for other people. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, often when you talk about meaningful marketing, where people go is kind of social impact, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tom's shoes, yeah, you know, yeah. give one, get one, you know, those types of things. And that's great. That's awesome. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong. Problem is we don't all work for those businesses. Mm -hmm. Or have those margins. Like, or have those margins. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. You know, and so, you know, if you're an enterprise software company and you're a marketer at that company, I still believe you can find meaning in your work. And you can do it, you know, not necessarily because you're, helping poor kids or teaching young women about STEM or whatever is the, the key thing. But it's because you're delivering value to their customer and you're making an impact to your to your salespeople. Absolutely. And who doesn't want to, as a marketer, walk away incredibly proud of the work that you did and have these these memories of this was the great campaign that I ran. This is how I rebuilt the relationship with sales. This is how I, you know, turned what could have been you know, a simple media execution into something deeper and more meaningful. And we all want to do work we're incredibly proud of. No yeah. one says, you know what, I'd like to show up at work, do kind of a mediocre <laughs> job and, you know, walk away. Nobody notices. Maybe some people do, but they're probably not. Not, not most marketers. Not, not, not most marketers and definitely not the marketers listening to this. Right. And it's the you want to do something that's inspiring, that really drives that big sort of that big result, that big impact. And I think I love the sort of phrase of meaningful marketing of how we get to do more of that and less, less throwaway work. In many ways, I think that there's been an evolution in how marketing thinks about itself since the Marketo days. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I remember a lot in the early days of Marketo, I talked about marketing earning respect. Mm -hmm. You know, and like marketers needed to be seen as the people who don't just like throw parties and print color brochures. It's but, not arts and crafts. Yeah, but they earn a seat at the revenue table. And I feel like that was an arc that, Yes. Marketing is driven, which has been great. I think this meaningful marketing is the next arc. No, you know, I, it's how do you actually derive meaning from the work? No, I think you're I think you're completely right. And I think this brings up so many interesting points of how different the world of marketing was in 2005 versus 2015 versus today in 2019 and how how much the discipline has evolved, how much the perception of marketing has evolved and what works today 
probably didn't work yesterday and probably won't work tomorrow. Yeah. So let's let's put on our tinfoil hats here and go into the future a little bit. Let's reinvent some of these kind of marketing ideas. How do you think that it has changed like up to now? And like, what do you see as some of those kind of tenpole things that are going to carry us, you know, onward? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I mean, we started Marketo in 2005 and Google AdWords at that time was just a couple of years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know when, when did you first buy your first pay-per-click? Probably like 03 or 04, 03. right? 2003, yeah. <laughs> I bought my first pay-per-click ad. It was very exciting. Yeah. And you were a super early adopter, yep. right? So by the time, you know, early 2005 comes around with Marketo, people were honestly, for the first time, generating leads at any kind of scale. Mm-hmm. And the business problem was they needed a place to capture these things, a place to put them <laughs> and to do something with them. And that's where marketing automation came from. You know, this kind of online lead generation to revenue to new business process. And great, it solved that problem really well and lots of successful companies came from that. But as you just alluded to, that's far from the main business problem today. Mm-hmm. We talked at our last podcast a lot about account-based marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and obviously that's a big change, right? You yeah. know, just the move from, it's not just about this individual lead, but there's a whole buying committee, especially as you sell to bigger companies. The simple trend from leads to accounts, that's a big one. But it's, it, it is more than that. I mean, SaaS was relatively new in 2005. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And now, not just software, but like every business is sold as a subscription. Yeah. You know, razors and car rides, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all subscription now. And it means that that kind of focus on just the new business, the new lead, is not nearly as relevant anymore as is the kind of post-sale, customer journey, expansion, you know, revenue. And the tools like Marketo are just still very focused on the new business. You know, you generate a lead, you know, and that account gets marked closed one. Boom, forever now it's a cost, it's a closed one. Yeah. A new lead comes in, might be for a whole other product. The system doesn't know what to do with it. Completely. Before the show, you asked about vendors that weren't here, you know, before when, you know, kind of... Yeah, like we're sitting around... Seven or eight years ago. I mean, I don't know how many vendors are in this are in yes. this room yeah. right now. There's like a hundred. I mean, oh, something easily. like that. And we are and just, surrounded by all these uh, marketing technology companies at Serious Decisions. And to your point, who, who existed 10 years ago? Just within my eye shot here, I see two intent vendors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, tools like Marketo, Eloqua, Pardot, you know, are really historically good at first party intent. Mm-hmm. But now another big trend is... Third party intent. And all the different intent signals that we're showing based on our digital footprint and based on different buying behavior. And to your point, this technology, intent, the fact that there are intent vendors is just insane. Whole because 10 years ago, the whole concept of intent, the only place to capture user intent in 2005 was on the search box. And yeah. that was, those were your intent signals or what are you searching for? Which yeah. is cool at the time, but obviously there's a lot more. Yeah, so I just had Nate Skinner in here from Pardot and we were talking about that infographic where it's Craigslist back in, you know, whatever. And it has all the categories circled and then a line pointing to like, a, a company that was created out of just that one category mm. on okay. Craigslist. Yeah. It's like housing and it's like Zillow and then it's like rentals and it's like, you know, Airbnb and like on and on down the line and like, you know, cars.com, like everything, just how much business was built just off of that. I kind of it looking around here now, 
it's kind of almost a, a similar, um, similar but different with how many vendors were born out of new needs. Were there things that you all were talking about back then where you're like, someone's going to solve this someday? You know, not in 05, but I mean, ultimately I left Marketo in 2015 because I did see that there was going to be a whole new wave of technology and a new generation of platforms. So not to say I, I'm like perfectly prescient or whatever, but it was pretty clear to me in 2015 that at least the pace of innovation I saw from tools like Marketo was really slowing down. And you, there was creating new opportunities. And then there's, I've also seen these really interesting just general macro shifts that have happened that have started to create all of these different needs of, in 2005, our phones were phones. Now in 2005, the last thing our phone is used for is actually dialing and calling somebody else. And I think about, you had talked a little bit about the, this is the importance of after the sale happens. After the sale, this is how you're going to engage and why a lot of tools and technology aren't set up for that. What I've seen that's been super interesting is these app-first companies, companies where maybe, maybe yes, maybe no, even with a website, they are companies like Calm, which is, it's an app on your phone for meditation. Those companies, the idea of the sale is important, but they think customer first. How do I drive usage? How do I drive adoption? How do I really focus on driving value? Because if they don't, they don't have a business yep. model. And now that whole idea of these sort of post-sales engagement that is native to sort of app-first companies, now all of these B2B companies are finally starting to go, wait a second, This I need this. This is something that's important where they wouldn't have thought of that and the technology wouldn't have existed for a lot of that engagement 10 years ago, five years ago, because we were never trained to actually think about what happens after the sale. Well, and it wasn't just training. I mean, there's so many, I mean, I mean, at Marketo, we had um, quotas for leads generated, mm -hmm. you know, and if we generated a response from somebody who worked at an existing customer, didn't count. Nope. No yeah, credit. That's, nope. I know. That's one you of know? the classic, like, right? Yeah. Which so, still to this day kills me it's because. It's true in a lot of companies, you know. Oh, yeah. And so it's it's not, it's 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 the systems that don't support it, but it's also the incentives, the metrics. Yes. You know, mindsets and all that kind yeah. of thing. But back to the thing, there's like all these different things that have changed in marketing. Very briefly, the, the, the last major trend, you know, these days, more and more companies I see are sending less email from their marketing automation platform mm -hmm. and more out of their sales team through sales engagement tools. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think because they, they recognize that it's more human, it's more personalized, it's less likely to get hit by spam. That's another big trend, mm -hmm. right? Totally. It's just kind of the balance between true automation versus the human touch. You know, so you have all these factors, you know, that are playing to, you know, I think you allude to this, you know, as a marketer, you're looking around you're buying seven, eight to 10 different platforms. We had someone who was telling us that he <laughs> yeah. talked to a, a marketing leader last night at, at the um, dinner that they have 44. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I believe that because there is so much technology. There are so many, so much, so many more needs that are happening and it's well, if I can automate this, well, I'll buy this for this automation and I'll buy this for this degree of sales enablement and I will buy this for intense scoring and I will buy all of these different tools and I'm going to knit everything together, which is honestly why I think companies like MuleSoft and API integrations <laughs> are the future right now because all we do is knit yeah. technology together. But it's getting more and more complicated for yeah. marketers. And something that I kind of keep going back to and anchoring on is 
what I love about marketing is the combination and the blending of art and science. You have the hard science and you have the data and you have the numbers and this data-driven marketing. But if all you have that, it's if that's all you have, it's not going to work. You can't lose the art, the emotion, the narrative, the storytelling, yeah. the building deep engagements. And if you think about where a lot of marketing is going right now, you have this one side, which is, let's think about AI and BARTs and BARTs, AI and bots and machine learning. And what can we do for automation and personalization? That is, you drop everything into a data warehouse, you run a bunch of algorithms and it spits out the right answer, which is awesome. But you also need to have the what is the high touch human experience? Yep. What is the human connection and engagement and personalization? Pre, yeah. Because if all we have is the data and the numbers and the bots and the AI and the machine learning, all we have is the science of marketing and we lose the heart and the soul of it. And we can't lose the heart and the yeah. soul of it. Yeah. I mean, even in the word automation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it, it built into it. It's like, sounds like robots. And exactly. There's no humanity in there. I see some people trying to kind of use the AI and all that to kind of replicate the human. Yes. Right. And the problem with that is, you know, you've heard in animation, um, the uncanny Valley. Mm. So, um, the classic example is that movie, the polar express. Yes. You know, where like they try to make something human, but it's not quite. And therefore it's creepy. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I think the same thing happens in AI, right? Where if you, you can't, the technology is there. I don't know if it's ever going to be there to truly kind of like replace kind of the actual human touch. It's the you know, nuance. And so I think as a result, a lot of these tools that kind of completely try to automate it end up looking creepy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So we we're talking about that with, uh, Craig, and with Craig and Sean. The idea is like at the end of the day, the AI doesn't have a favorite TV show. It doesn't have like a favorite sport. It's, you know, kid didn't get its first, you know, little league game. You can't um, connect on an emotional basis to AI. Yeah. And so therefore it has no story and therefore it has, you know, limited amounts of recall that, you know, you can have. It's just not memorable. Like yep. it's inherently like devoid of that. So I love the phrase uh, that it's augmented intelligence. Yes. It makes humans smarter. Like it, mm-hmm. it gives you superpowers. And, and kind of the last piece that I wanted to touch on with, with the reinventing marketing thing is kind of reinventing the CMO. Like you're having lots of conversations with CMOs and marketing leaders all the time. What are the things that they share with you in confidence? What are the things that they're worried about that they're kind of nervous about that are going to happen over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, it's a good question. I think one of the trends that I see happening is that this goes to Lauren's point earlier, that marketing has become so data-driven in the last 10 years that there are, I think, CMOs out there who are realizing that the company has, in many ways, lost its ability to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And you can't ignore that, you know? And so that, that's, one, that's one I see, especially in the last 10 years, you know, who got promoted to the CMO spot? Right. Often, probably more often than not, it came from people who came from the demand gen background. Yeah. Not the corporate marketing or the product marketing background, which is fine. I'm all for that. But yeah, demand gen people. <laughs> the Lauren. Worst. You know, Lauren. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm not saying those people can't tell stories, but it's sort of less the core to their background. And so now you have companies like to really go to the next level, kind of bringing that storytelling capability. Mm hmm. It's so hard for some marketers, I think. So that's one yeah. kind of big trend I see kind of in the CMO suite. 
the other one is probably something you'd hear from a bunch of other people too. So maybe less interesting, but just the CMO is the steward of the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, especially in a world where there's, you know, there's account management and sales, you know, they, you have customer experience, customer success as kind of its own team. You know, you've got support, you've got customer marketing people sitting in marketing, trying to do references and case studies. You have this conflict and challenge of like, okay, who owns that relationship? Yeah. And you probably more often than not, it defaults in somebody in sales. Yep. But there's an awful lot of, I think, good research that says that marketing probably is the right function to truly be the customer owner. No, I, I completely agree. And I've seen this pop up a couple of times recently where companies look to hire a VP of marketing or a CMO and then it pivots to a chief customer officer who really runs the marketing side and owns the customer and customer experience and customer success and customer engagement because the marketer, at least from my perspective, should be the closest to the customer. We should know, yes, this is what prospects think and feel and care about, and this is how we're going to get them in. But after they become a customer, how do we continue to understand what they care about, make sure we drive value, make sure that marketing campaign actually we were able to deliver on drove value and we keep them yeah. all the way through and, you know, helping find upsell and cross sell is great, but it really is that value focus. So we, we did some research back at Marketo that we never actually published for a variety of reasons related to the methodology of, of the research. <laughs> take, take this with a small grain of salt. But what we did was we looked at public companies mm-hmm. and we sort of correlated their growth rates to various sales and marketing factors that we could find. Okay. Part of the re- reason we didn't publish is because we didn't find actually that many statistically valid correlations. But there was one that actually stood out as seeming statistically significant. And that was there was a correlation between companies that paid the CMO part of their comp based on net promoter score uh, had yeah. higher growth rates. And again, it was one yeah. of the only things that we were able to find through the research that actually stood out to have a positive correlation to growth. So that always struck me as a pretty interesting thing. Okay. And if you think about I that, love that, me too. And if you think about that, it's several factors. The first thing is the company cares about net promoter score, which is awesome. And it's, you actually care if your customers, yeah. you know, would recommend you and would find value. And knowing that this is something that the marketer has to focus on, our job isn't just, how do I, you know, how do I get a deal in? How do I get this closed? How do I sort of help the top of the funnel? It yeah. is, how do I make sure we market to the right prospect? We deliver the right message that we can actually back up once they purchase. Make about, yeah. And then after they purchase, we don't sort of abandon them. And we, what did I, somebody tell me recently, we bring them in and we hug them <laughs> in a non-creepy way. Yeah. Um, don't, don't touch people. <laughs> exactly. Just... In, in a virtual, in a very safe virtual, we love you. Let's make sure we continue to be that sort of trusted partner. And yeah. I completely, completely agree with that. And I don't think enough companies have marketing caring about net promoter score. And I would even be surprised at how many marketers have ever really thought about it. Yep. Yeah. And usually they think, oh, that's for the customer success team or that's something That's someone like else's that. job. And you're like, no, it is every single person in the company's job to make sure we're driving value and delivering happy paying customers. What are the, you got any more of those nuggets? That was pretty good. Well, I, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as I said, the research, the, you know. Lauren just pointed a good point. It, it could just be that the reason that correlation exists because companies that care about more net promoter are more likely to then pay marketing on it. So, but it drives got, the right the, behavior behind the marketing. Be, yeah, I, I, I mean, there. I, I think that the yeah, the thing there is like 
as long as you pin the rose on someone in the company that is compensated on net promoter score, that's probably, you know, again, it's anecdotal, but as long as someone is owning it, that's the first yeah. step. That would be the further research to figure out, is it just because marketing owns it or just because the company really cares and somebody owns it? But, that's really fascinating. Yeah. All right. As long as we're on the topic, you know, there was one other yeah. even smaller, less significant, but directional insight, which was it. younger CMOs were tied to faster growth rates. And again, don't take this one too far in terms of like a hard conclusion. But directionally, you know, it could be interesting that the younger CMOs are a little bit more likely to embrace new ideas, modern techniques. New uh, ideas, so new on. technology, being more open to trying. This came out and I don't know what's going to happen versus being more stuck in your ways, yeah, yeah. which is a generalization. But directionally, completely, completely believe it. You know, there's a great quote. It's actually a Harry Potter quote uh, that <laughs> Dumbledore says something along the lines of young people don't know what it's like to feel old, but old men would f- like would be remiss if they didn't remember what it's like to be young. Right. Which is the idea that I think there's an interesting n- note there for the fact that you don't know what it's like to be, you know, to be more experienced in your career. Um, but you, when you are more experienced, you know what it's like to be surround yourself with young people. And I think you know, young and energetic in whatever way that they are or young or sometimes just beginner's mindset. Mm-hmm. I, I would, the thing I would be so curious to know, cause I, I don't know if it aged because, you know, we don't have a robust data set, but I would be curious if like growth mindset, beginner's mindset, this idea of just like that you don't have all the answers because you haven't spent a career with all the answers. Mm -hmm. So you're just kind of looking for different things because I think that that's one of the things like no, no matter your age, if you're curious, pretty much every, you know, famous executive has said that like they were, you know, passionately curious, um, which drives innovation. But I just think that that, especially now that that's like being evangelized a little bit more, uh, we just watched a guy walk by who absolutely tripped on something. Uh, he's breaking stuff. Um, At least they didn't walk into the booth. <laughs> yeah, no, right. I think that the, the takeaway there is about having a beginner's mindset and how important that is. And it's something that Mark Benioff talks about all the time. And, you know, Craig and Sean had the, in their notes yep. of how important a beginner's mindset was being CMO at Salesforce back in the day. Completely. It's you don't you don't know what you don't know and you can't make assumptions. And I the more it's the, the pros and cons of experience. When you have a ton of experience, it's easy to look at something and say, oh, I've seen this movie before. This is this is what I'm going to do. Where if you've never seen that movie, you have to dig in and figure it out. And yeah. I, my guess or assumption is what's going to differentiate exceptional CMOs from okay or good CMOs are the ones that will have that experience to pull from. But also the I don't know all of the answers and I'm going to look at everything with this with this beginner's mindset. This is interesting. This can come full circle back to our meaningful marketing conversation mm-hmm. you know, a little bit because one of the ways that your marketing can be meaningful is if you're learning from it. Yes. You know, and growing. So, you know, I think a lot of marketers should be thinking about that as well in terms of kind of how they're tackling their careers, you know, not just kind of what marketing you're doing, but, but is this an educational experience? Yes. Well, thanks again for coming. You're welcome anytime. You came up like three times today when we were sitting there, our most requested guest, like of the last seven hours so awesome. uh, people really liked your episode and uh yeah back by popular demand and i'm sure we'll have you back soon awesome thanks well, super fun awesome thanks for having <laughs> <laughs> thanks for having us to have you on this <laughs> podcast the thank it's you the end of the day here <laughs> yeah 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.